welcome back here to episode seven of the Nightcap. Jack Murphy alongside me, Sam Cerrone. Sam, good to have you back after a little week sabbatical last week. Yeah, you know, I had some finals to take care of before my fall break, but we're back. I'm excited to be back. Talk some, talk some ball. Well, so we didn't talk any football last week because we're just going to get right into it here. Been a couple weeks. We've had some some changes in the football world. We've had some uh, you know separators like in the NFC North with the Vikings. You know they're up to five and one. No other team has more than three wins. And then you still have divisions like the NFC West and the AFC South and the AFC North where everyone has three wins or two wins. So it's been interesting. But I wanted to just start off with a little re-entry into football. A little three up, three down from the last two weeks of the NFL, Sam. Who are your uh, who are your three ups? So my three ups this week, you know, you're gonna be happy about this one. My first one is the Patriots. Ooh, you know, the Mac, fever. I mean, Mac Jones was there. They were, you know, weren't playing well. They were just not really productive on offense. And then the boy Bailey, he gets in there and he starts slinging yes, around. Sir. Looks like a little bit like you know Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe scenario going on. Well, I mean, don't don't, don't say that, but probably won't happen. But they look, you know, they're moving the ball well. He's he's slinging it. And they just looked more productive and you know more efficient on offense. They weren't really able to do that with Mac Jones. No, I um I'm definitely very conflicted right now. I definitely have the zappy fever. I don't really know how to uh how to feel like about it. If we should be uh on the Mac uh, on or off the Mac train, you know Mac was so good last year, and you know you don't really, I don't really want to go back to a rookie. Like rookies don't usually win in the playoffs, and you know we had a whole. Season last year, all 17 games Mac Jones started and the playoff game. Like, you know, if you're going to do anything, it's with, you know, the quarterback who's in his second, third year <coughs> on the rookie contract growing, right? But I don't know. We'll see about the Patriots. I think time, only time can tell with them. Who's your other, who were your other ups? First, I just also want to mention that I think it was hilarious that um, you had a rookie on your team recover a fumble and then try to give it to Belichick and he just oh, yeah. didn't he even looked, give him the, the light of day. He looked so mad. Like, and that's his thing, special teams. So yes. weird. My next team I'm up on is, I guess, a little bit of a cop-out, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they're they're playing well. It's come off a big win against the Chiefs. Um, you know, and a, a, a game that you thought was going to be a shootout, I mean, the, the Chiefs defense, or the Chiefs, you know, Holmes throws an interception at that last play of the game to ice it. I mean, their defense is playing well for the Bills. You know, in a game that offense was supposed to, you know, fly, the defense came up clutch. So this shows that this team is really well-rounded, and they're going to go deep in the playoffs, and they're they're favorite for the Super Bowl for a reason. Yeah, I love all the memes about uh, Tony Romo being like giving away the NFL script. He's like, I think this is a 24-20 game, but I just remember I was sitting with all my roommates. They all loving the over. And I was just like, ah, oh, I mean, uh, you should love the over. I mean, you know, it's Mahomes and yeah. and Josh Allen, but I was like, watch, watch, especially the Bills' defense. They clearly made their changes to to win this game. You know, when they play the Chiefs, yeah. like this, everything in the offseason came to this game. And it looked good, you know. They got the two big picks on Mahomes, obviously at different points, like that, that one in the first half where it was like a fourth and goal or third and goal or something. They got the stop, like that was mega. They that's they needed to be more communicative, uh, more communicative in the secondary, and then they need just to force more turnovers if they want to beat the the Chiefs. And it looks like they uh, looks yeah. like they got the yeah. recipe now. I mean, and there were like past couple of weeks they were uber beat up. They just had injuries all over the defense. And now they come back and. Just you know, really pick up where they were they left off on defense. So this Bills team is scary, obviously, and I mean it's going to be fun to watch them play. I mean, how about that that hurdle by Josh Allen, you know, running down the sideline at the, at the end of the game? Talk about mask and cape. I mean, he's just he's incredible. I saw a stat that's like Josh Allen is like something like top five with his yards alone in the NFL, just himself compared to other NFL teams, which is just outrageous. Oh, like like you're saying like Josh Allen's passing and rushing yards are yes. worth more than like other teams' yes. entire offense. He's like top he's like top ten or top five or something. Wow. That's uh that's quite the stat. Insane. And then another team I'm up on, my last one. The Buffalo I mean the Bengals, you know, coming off a win against the the New Orleans Saints. They were a little bit, you know, Super Bowl hangover the past couple weeks, but you know, it looks like they're moving the ball on offense. The line's starting to click a little bit. Joe Burrow's looking more like his old self from last year. So I'm really, I think this team's going to start, you know, hitting their stride. I knew it was going to be a few weeks till they hit their stride from last year, but it looks like they're doing, doing things from last year again. No, I mean the last week, or if we're doing just this week, I think they'd have to be it up because they looked very good on offense compared to the week before. But I don't know that we didn't talk about that Baltimore 
game on Sunday night. That was just ugly. That was such a mid-off. I just don't understand Cincinnati when they get in the red zone sometimes. Mm. They busted out the Philly special. They, uh, they, their plays, they, they screwed themselves on two, two red zone drives. Um, with just the play calling, they're not even giving themselves a chance. I don't know. I, I, their talents there, but I think I don't that's, at that coach. point, you know, you. I think they're trying to make plays just to outsmart their the defense, but you, they're just doing too much at that point. I think it's causing more harm than you know than good in those scenarios. I mean, I think just just you know run the ball down the throat, just pass it. You're good at those things. Why you gotta do do all these cute little plays to make your like to win these games? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, I, like at times it feels like it's a little too cute. Just like you said, overthinking it. That's a very good way to put it. I just feel like I've seen that in a couple of these that that uh, the Cowboys game. Excuse me, that Cowboys game. Right. I saw it. Um, who's in between the Steelers? Or the week after they played the, um, you know, they played the team after they played the Steelers. Because I didn't think they saw it in the Steelers game. It was more like the that that was the first game of the year. The Steelers game was total total sloppiness. And they almost pulled out the win, you know. So the talent totally has uh, uh, been there, you know. It's it's kept them in a lot of these games, but the uh, you know the coaching and just all the tiny details, like you said, that coming off a Super Bowl hangover, like it's been there. But I'm gonna move on to my ups, and so I have both New York teams in my ups this week. Used to be the armpit of the NFL, and now they're the boys are buzzing in the in the Big Apple. I'm very uh I'm very impressed with the Jets because I remember telling some of my friends back home like I'm not going to say the Patriots are going to finish below the Jets but the Jets could be really good. They have coming in with Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. They had a real good chance to have both rookies of the year on their on their own team. I mean, as of right now, those guys got to be leading. Brees Hall's been pretty hot the last couple of weeks and Sauce Gardner's just been so good. And it's not like I'm fully bought into Zach Wilson, but like that team is, you know, like whether they believe he's a superstar or not, like they're going to play for him, so they're playing for their court. Like they play for their coach and their quarterback. There's, you know, that's a tough thing to to get out of some of these teams. I don't know. I just, I just love how they're playing. The defense it doesn't have any super superstars, even though I think Quinn and Williams is becoming that. Yeah. I mean, Sauce Gardner is already, you know, top ten cornerback. Kind of, if you look, like he's he's unbelievable. Well, that's the thing. I'm he's saying so Sauce Gardner, like he's been super good. He's going to win off uh, defensive rookie of the year. But I don't even think he's hit his peak yet. Yeah, which is pretty unbelievable considering how good he is. But you know, this team is, like you said, they just play for one another. I think Saul is a really good leader of men. I don't know about his like you know schematics sometimes, but I think he's a great leader of men. That's why these players have bought in, mm. especially on offense. And if they just keep adding talent on defense, yes. it's gonna get better. You now they finally have the Sauce Gardner, who was the ri- he's basically the ri- uh, Richard Sherman blueprint of Saul's defense from those Niners days. Yeah. You know. He's got Quinn and Williams playing like Nick Bosa now, so we'll see. And it's getting it's getting interesting in I New mean, York with the football and the other team, the Giants. They play for each other too. Dable's completely fixed that program around just like that. Danny Dimes doesn't look terrible, you know. Like he looks. looks fine. Quad, he looks good. Be comeback player of the year. I mean, this defense, like you said, similar to the Jets. There's no stars on it, but they play hard. They play, and hard. They play fast, and they just they play for one another. I mean, it reminds me of kind of those those Eli teams, like their defense. Obviously, they had stars on their defenses, but they played hard. They did, you know, a lot of those that NASCAR set where they would just blitz mm. as much as they can and just, you know, wreak havoc on the form, the other team's quarterback. And then their offense, you know, they just had, you know, great players. I mean, Saquon Barkley is good. And then, you know, look at Saquon the, just so back, too. Not so to, back. Like, good for him, man. It's I'm also like, intrigued to yeah. see, uh, like, Canarius Tony, I thought was good last year, so I don't know what's up with him. I, I'm intrigued to see him come back because I think they could really have something with him and um, Wendell Robinson, who's a second round pick. He's pretty good. I mean, yeah, Tony's always been someone like even last year. I mean, I think he had his he got thrown out of a few games. He's always someone that has a little bit of a disciplinary issue, but he's such a playmaker that you kind of like you got to let him. You got to get him in those games. Get the ball in his hands. He'll make something happen. He's he's just so electric and so. So shifty, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, he he was drafted to a pretty tough yeah. um, situation, and now they have a completely new vibe around Dable. So I don't know. I, I I feel like he could move on from that, but you know, the Giants, like you said, don't have many stars on defense. Um, even though hopefully Kayvon Thibodeau will be a stud because he looks like he could be a real stud. Dexter Lawrence is a good player. That was the 
Guy was blanking on D tackle. Um, he's good too. So they got solid players, you know, and they're young. So I don't know. I like where they could where they could get to in the NFL. And then my last one is the Vikings. Um, you know, I don't think the Vikings are, you know, they're. I'm up on them just because I'm 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 mostly proud of them. I'm really proud of Kirk Cousins. I don't know why, but I've just never been a Kirk Cousins guy. And, you know, something about him this year. He just he looks different. You know, like games like despite that Eagles game that he just didn't look. Yeah, no, where he the, the Eagles that was, I totally uh, I'll totally give him a pass on that because it's early and the Eagles look like they're gonna be a Super Bowl yeah. favorite now. But I don't know, just some of these games, I feel like things could have, you know, gone wrong. And he he led a comeback on the Lions. Like he doesn't lead comebacks, you know. I mean, look, he has the weapons with you know Dalvin, backup Madison, the backup running back, and Thielen and um, Jetta and you know Irv Smith at tight end, and then their defense, who was you know they were pretty bad last year, and then they turned it around. I think this team is you know quick to make changes and just adjust, make adjustments under um, their new head coach. Yeah, they've gotten some life out of uh, Harrison Smith, who I thought might be done, but um, like you said, the new head coach of Connell played. Uh, was a play caller for one or two years with Kirk yeah. back when he was in uh, Washington. Just, you know, it's the type of connection that you bring in. You expect it to um, figure itself out again. And, you know, we saw it right away, but after there was that Eagles game, and now it's kind of, you know, it's not a full, like, strength, you know, but through six games, like, they're, they're a lot more sound on offense than they yeah. were last year. I mean, this is the year that they have to take advantage, really, because you look at the rest of this division, the Bears run a Pop Warner offense – um, the Lions, you know, have a great offense, but their defense is bottom, you know, tier in the league, probably the worst defense in the NFL. And the Packers, they're just struggling all over the, all over, you know. The Packers are just, just done. Which, if we're moving to downs, do you have the Packers as one of your downs by chance, or? Yeah. So for my downs, I do have the Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, obviously an all-time great quarterback, but he's, you know, Christian Watson gets what one target a game after that drop week one. Um. Romeo Dobbs. You know, Did you see to... his quote about like how we need a simple thing? Like it was very like, yeah. But I mean, clearly, like he's saying it because he's trying to get a yeah. little flur, you know, you know, whatever. He's got to say it to the pub. Uh, I mean, that's the media because that's how these sports work. But that's the issue I have with Rogers a lot of the time is sometimes he says things to the media that should really be you know said behind closed doors. That should be a conversation between you know the wide receivers. And him, or you know, Lafleur and him, he shouldn't be saying that to the media and just kind of like, I guess, in the lack of you know Gen Z terms, subtweeting you know his own head coach. I think it's no, yeah, like people are gonna, and also like you're never gonna, you're just, I mean, he doesn't care like what people think of him. I mean, you know, obviously he's not gonna meet any of these fans or anyone who has criticism of him, but it's just a tough thing to portray as like, oh, you know, I was thinking in the best interest of the team by like, basically, calling my receivers dumb in a sense or at least it sounds like it i mean he's not he's just saying it's, it's football language it's a lot of stuff at once there's all this stuff with the patriots and really there's any old quarterback there's stories about peyton manning when he was with the broncos some of those receivers who are coming in as young guys even though you know they were going to play over demarius thomas and eric decker but they're still there trying to learn the system and they're like stuff's hard i mean if they're if they're really if the packers want to make the playoffs this year they should they should have you know Traded for Robbie Anderson, or maybe trade for someone like DJ Moore, because you know the. the well, they they missed it. The not to I, like yes, I just they. How have they not signed Odell? Yeah, how, Odell's still out there as a free agent. I mean, I've been saying all that. the guys who moved around in the offseason, AJ Browns, uh, you know, all the things about how DK was available if you were going to pay him. Same thing with Debo. Yeah, like nothing. I mean, poor. It's always been poor management there. I mean, drafting you know Jordan Love in the first round when you need a skill position player. It's always had been head scratching. Um, moving on to another one of my downs, as I just mentioned, the Carolina Panthers. You know, ultimate fire sales should be going on there. They fire rule. They have an interim head coach who gets in an argument with Robbie Anderson on the on the sideline. People are like, oh, Baker was hurt last year. He'll probably turn around this year. He looks, you know, just awful. Yeah, he looks as bad as he was last year when so it this was team like, is, oh, his shoulder is. This team has been a you know struggle to watch. I mean, I guess the only silver lining is – Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's just fantastic with the ball in his hands. He's just like the only, the only guy they have on offense. You kind of feel yeah. bad for him. I mean, DJ Moore obviously can play, but they can't even get the ball down the field to him. It's yeah. uh, no, the Panthers are clearly on a, on a tank for Stroud or tank for Bryce type. Like, I would say they have to be almost, the betting favorite. Like, 
to be this number one yeah. pick. I mean, team. it's shocking because you look at you know Rule. He's when he was in college, he turned around the Temple program, goes to Baylor. They have their worst you know record with one win, and then he gets there, and two years later, they're eleven and two. I thought. I mean, there's just. I guess there's just some people that are good at coaching college, and yeah, it's just the difference of college. And I, I, I loved. Uh, I loved them hiring him, but he was yeah. not like that. That fat contract. You yeah. Know, just too much money and years on the line, for something goes wrong. I think he just. I was reading some articles that he just couldn't really control the locker room. Like you got. There's a difference between being able to control thirty year old men. Versus you know eighteen year old kids, so I think yeah, because just... you can truly control eighteen year old kids. That's the whole thing yeah. about these. You can tell too with some of these college coaches, they they're kind of control freaks. Versus the NFL, like you know they they, especially the the best coaches, they they are on an understanding with their players. Yeah. Moving on to my next down, a bit of a shocker. This team is in you know a position to make the playoffs, four and two. I got the Los Angeles Chargers last night. They play the Broncos, who have been struggling all year. And they just can't move the ball at all. Herbert throws for 57 attempts in the game. Most of them are just checkdowns to Eckler. I mean, they just, they just, they're struggling on offense, which is, you know, surprising because this team is stacked. I know they have injuries with Keenan Allen, but, you know, Eckler is really the only one that can make, him and Mike Williams are the only ones that can really make these big plays. They don't have that many, like, big playability on offense right now. No, it's interesting. I, um, I think it's interesting that you brought them up because, like, they're four and two, but they deserve to be talked about. I mean, you know, last night a lot of penalties. Like, that was just a terrible primetime game. Get the Broncos off primetime. I'm, I'm done with the Broncos. Yeah. I never bought into them with their coach, but I was like, they're going to be better because they have Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's not himself, yeah. so they're just not good. And <laughs> just saw before the show that fifth ACL tear for them this year. Some guy who was like a linebacker. It was uh, um, what was his name? Aaron Patrick, backup linebacker, but he's the fifth Broncos player this year. I know tears ACL, and uh, I just did this is like was on the other side. Kyle Van Noy didn't play last night. Corey Lindsley, um, uh, J- Justin or JC Jackson is hurt. Fifth straight game um, for Keenan Allen to miss. It's just their injuries all over the place. I mean, like every play, I saw Herbert, you know, scrambling for his life and trying to get something going but like they just got lines hurt I, I also I think there's a lot of more blame that should be placed on Brendan Staley than some people are talking about I just his play calling should just like he, I feel like he's setting up these large long you know play action plays like the ball should be getting out of Herbert's hand you know, no yeah he's not a his uh awareness of when to call play like certain plays play action screens it's just not there yeah I mean this they're gonna make the playoffs but this team is way too good to you know have a first round exit no, I, I agree with you. I think this is definitely the – we're going to see about Staley and, and just – I don't know. I thought he could figure it out, but right now I'm I – mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doubt is creeping in. You know, I'm not going to full-on hop off. Not that I'm on the bus that he's going to be – he's going to turn this around and become John Madden, but yeah. I don't know. I just don't think he could be that bad. Like, maybe he'll figure it out a little bit, but um, there is definitely the, the doubt in my head or arising that maybe he's in a little over his head. So – I know we're gonna move on to my downs, and I wanted to start off with because you you mentioned uh, this team Bengals as one of your ups. So my down is is the ball is the Ravens. And they just beat the Bengals, you know, the week before, and yeah. that's kind of why I was like back and forth. Like the the Bengals look good this week, but the week before, I, I kind have them in the mid. The Ravens that win didn't convince much of me to get the three and two, and then they just blew another ten point lead in the fourth quarter. This team is lost once the fourth quarter starts. Lamar is just trying to do too much. I don't know what's up with them. I I, I don't know why they have had these three collapses um, within. I mean, it's all since Miami, which was week three, or no, but that was week two. But so their their last three losses have all been um, double digit fourth quarter leads. In the last ten minutes gone. It's pretty shocking because John Harbaugh has always been, you know, a very sound, fundamental coach, and to watch his team be, like, you know, crumble like that in the fourth quarter, it's pretty surprising to see, but like you said, going off the point, like, I think Lamar is, sometimes he just runs around too much. He should just make one decision and go with it. I know he's, like, that's his kind of his game is just scrambling and making something out of nothing, but there comes a time when he just needs to, you know, go with, you know, the, the, the one decision rather than doing all the, doing all the jazz. The uh the pick that he threw, did you see that? 
how they lost, like, it was like three minutes left or something. There was a bad snap on third down. And, you know, Lamar scoops it up. He sprints, you know, maybe 10 yards back. He's, you know, 15, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he keeps the play alive. He probably could have ran, like, out of bounds, maybe gotten a yard. But then he throws across his body. Two Giants the there, one sin of, of quarterback play, and just oh, like it was just all like no, no, no. The whole time you're watching it, like don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I mean, oh. on offense, the only weapons they have is Mark Andrews at tight end, and pretty much Rashad Bateman. He's he's been out, so they really don't have these these studs to throw to. I mean, Mark Andrews has been a monster, but Devin Duvernay, he's like their number one receiver right now, and he's obviously on most NFL franchises, he'd be like a Third or fourth starter. Yeah. No, Devin Dunerne is, is like been their kickoff returner for, for years. And now he's their number one receiver, it looks like. It's uh they, they didn't add anyone in the offseason, kinda of similar to the Packers and this is kinda of what they get. You gotta supply your quarterback with some weapons. Oh definitely. I mean it's it's not like you can't have the argument that, you know, Lamar's a runner. They don't need that many op you know, options to throw to. But he, he can pass the ball. He was like the first few weeks he was number one in touchdown. Passes so like obviously he can he can sling it like that shouldn't be a of an argument not having adding weapons around him. So to move on to my other down team, I don't want to spend too much time on this one. The Cardinals. I'm not. I don't know why. Like I just I'm really down after like I expected them to lose uh, to the Eagles. I thought that'd be a close game uh, the week before. Come off that Panthers win when they were at two and two. So I, I figured they'd get back to three and three because they're playing the Seahawks. I just I'm expecting Geno Smith to take it down a little bit, like not play as well, and and he did. Geno Smith wasn't what he had been in the first five weeks, which was <laughs> to some people an MVP candidate. He's getting MVP odds and stuff, and you know Kenneth Walker looked good, but he didn't. He wasn't a stud. It, it just they can't score. They had uh, their only touchdown. Was a uh, um, fumble recovery. You know, they had nine points. Looked like they kicked three field goals. It's like no, 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 no. They didn't, they didn't kick free field goals because Matt Matt Amendola is not that good. He would he would have missed some of them, like the PAT he missed. Like, it just nothing's going right for them. I like, and now Marquise Brown is is hurt. I just uh, there's all this stuff. Cliff Kingsbury, like everyone's calling for him to stop taking uh, doing the plays, and you know he had to be like, oh, I'll like whatever's good for the team. Like I don't know. It just it, it looks ugly there. I, I just. Kyler Murray needs to stop playing Call of Duty. <laughs> I mean, it it was probably double XP weekend that's, this week. That's why he didn't play too well. That's that's definitely something we need to be fact-checked. This is where we need our Jamie, like the Joe Rogan experience. Be like, can you check that out, Jamie? Jamie, well, Jamie check those facts. But, yeah, they bring in Robbie Anderson, who is – I mean, he can play football, but he's known to be, not be the easiest person to coach. So it's just going to add some more, you know, chaos, chaos in that, that locker room. I mean, they just need a body, though, because clearly, clearly the receivers are names, like – Rondale Moore, you think would be, but he—he's, I don't know, he's not—he doesn't make people. They get the ball to him short, and he doesn't really make people miss. Six catches for under fifty yards, just not not uh, making people miss in the open field when they set him up to. Marquise Brown is solid, but now out for the season, and then AJ Green, who's the other guy to register catches as a receiver, just doesn't move the same anymore. You know, they really—they're desperate. Desperate for Hopkins to come back, which it's right around the corner. So I think it's this week. Yeah, it should, right. It should, it should be this week. But I think it would be good for them to have him in there. Like he, he's he's a quiet guy. He's not going to be. He'll make plays like when he needs to make plays. I mean, he's probably one of the best receivers in the league. So it's going to be exciting to see him back there. And so my last down is Tampa Bay, um, who I know I've I've been saying that they'll figure it out. Um, I expected them to be two and two. I didn't expect them to be three and three. I can't believe they lost to the Steelers. Um, I figured it'd be close that they would make some mistakes. You know, they were figure, favored by like 10, 11 points on the road. I was like, nah, this after that Falcons game, like this will be tight, but they'll pull it out. And another game where they've had two, two of their losses have come down to two point conversions um, to get back in the game. It's just, it's not, uh, it's not a sustainable way of, of winning. If they were to pull, you know, they pull out these games, it wouldn't be a sustainable way of winning. This isn't how they should be competing. The defense is better than this, but the offense is just not giving them enough time. And I think their real problem is people want to say the stuff about about Brady and the passing and stuff. 
Yeah, he doesn't look himself. Yeah, I, I made comment, you know, of that Saints game. He's looked like a little baby sometimes on the sideline. But they're not getting any push up front running the ball. That's been their kind of – especially I mean, you, last year. Fournette was so good. You see that that clip of uh, – this last week he's, you know, gathers the linemen up. Oh, yeah, he was like, yelling at them. This. Um, he's trying to fire them up, but, I mean, they're just – they're all backups. Some of them are backups. Yeah. And so three yards a carry – you just you can't win on that. That it, you have to run the ball in the NFL. I mean, they have so many playmakers on offense. They should be scoring, you know, with ease. It's just it's all comes out. All all good teams, you know, it comes down the line play. That's what happens. Yeah, and so they're they've got some they've had some injuries there. So I don't know. We'll see. I think they can figure it out, but we will see if that change comes. So shifting from the NFL, two big college football games this weekend. Not much um, really happening. When it comes to the bit, like the Penn State played Michigan and it wasn't even close. And Michigan's running backs ran all over the field against Penn State. NC State and Syracuse in a ranked matchup, and Syracuse. NC State couldn't score any touchdowns. Um, but Michigan, or uh, excuse me, Alabama and Tennessee in one of the best games of the last year or so. I mean, that it was such a good game. I mean, the Tennessee Stadium. Registered on the like the hurricane scale, I forgot what was the or the Richter scale, Richter the earthquake scale. scale. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's how electric that environment was. I mean, it was one of the, I think it was one of the best college games I've watched in you know the past few years. This was just awesome to watch. This is just, you know, this is why college football is so special. This game. Yeah, and it was sick that it was at Tennessee. Like that was what definitely made it special was that it was in Tennessee, and not at Alabama. I mean, if they if they went in on the road, but that that's why Bama lost too. I don't know why if you're if you're in this category now that or if you're in the camp that Bama's done now. I'm definitely not in that camp. I think that Bama will easily be back, but they can't stop anyone on in the secondary right now. I mean, it really comes down to Jalen Hyatt. I mean, they gave up 207 yards and five touchdowns to one five player. Touchdowns. That's insane. I mean, he took a great picture with Peyton Manning after the game. With oh, that was awesome. I, I, in his mouth. Just if you're you're Alabama, like, how do you give up five touchdowns to one player? Yeah. I mean, that's when has that ever happened in Bama's, you know? No. I, like, luscious history. That's what it takes. Like, you need guys who are going to go off and have a hat trick or something to beat them, but maybe four. But five touchdowns. It's just they're a little too Bryce Young reliant. Um, the O line doesn't get nearly like Jameer Gibbs is a stud, but I feel like Jameer Gibbs should be a um, not not because of him like he he is this good I just don't think they're getting enough push up front like he should be a five yards or more per carry guy. I feel like they should be getting more out of him running the ball. But, I mean, you look at last year when they played Cincy in the the college football playoff they were getting six yards of carry seven yards of carry. I that, that hasn't that didn't happen in this game that's why they lost. I mean the writing was on the wall. They almost lost to Texas. And they have another game that was very close. I think it was A&M, but no, A&M. no Bryce Young that game, so I don't really count it. But the, the writing was on the wall that they're going to lose this game. Tennessee is just, you know, they're, they're all. But the clean. the big thing is uh, not to going down twenty eight ten really yeah. really hurt them. That that uh, muffed kick was bad. They did. They were able to scrape back. Bryce Young did make some, you know, some magical plays, especially that I think their last touchdown when he was about to get sacked and flicked it right at the last minute, but. I know it's surprising. It's really surprising. This Tennessee, this Alabama team was had so many returners on defense last year. For this year, you know, I thought they were going to be really, like, really the you know the team to beat. But no, I will give you that. Um, uh, even though like Bama, Bama had a fumble return touchdown after a big, after a big um, ten play drive by Bryce and the boys. Um, Tennessee makes a mistake, fumble touchdown. Bama then gets they've got all this all this juice they got all the energy back from Bryce killing some time for them and then they get this massive play to go up 49-42 and how they top that Hendon Hooker just goes you know just locks in goes 11 plays 75 yards to to go down the field and tie the game and then the Bama offense I mean they should have Easily gotten that um, field goal, but then once they got to that first and ten at the uh, Tennessee thirty or whatever, because that's why it was, it was a fifty-yard field goal or something. Yeah. Why the guy missed it? 
they uh, they had a couple terrible plays. They didn't get any yards, and so then they took the fifty yarder, and then they give up the uh, the big play to to allow uh, just. They were right there, but they definitely made too many mistakes. It was just a, uh, it was quite the game. I don't know. It was it was definitely the best game of last year in college football. I mean, they're going to probably win out. Nick Saban's going to make adjustments. This team, like you said, they're going to be fine. Uh, I feel like they need a kind of a loss like this to kind of snap them back to reality a little bit. Um, but Hayden, yeah, Hendon Hooker, he's going to be a Heisman. He's going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. He's phenomenal. He's playing phenomenal. Um, we'll see what happens with Tennessee if they're you know able to you know sustain the success or they collapse a little bit if they lose one but I mean, college football it's, it's a it's a special year this year we'll talk about we'll dive into the usc utah game real quick i mean utah they get they get the win against um lincoln riley and the the trojans what are, what are your thoughts on that game well i really liked us or utah heading into that game uh i, I the usc is really fun and they're really good but my whole thing about them is that, like we talked about, the, the O-line the O line and D-line are, are where um, they're going to struggle, and there was going to be a time where um, they're going to play a team like Utah that was going to um, do this to them and just kind of pound them with the run game. Cam Rising played really tough, too. but it, And then it didn't end up being the run game as much well, too, because that played a factor. Dalton Kincaid. 16 catches, 234 yards, and a touchdown. He was unstoppable, and he deserves a lot because that, like I was saying, I really thought that um, the O-line and D-line play would, would hurt USC. I thought their defense was um, really bend, don't break. You know, they're making all the league in turnovers, all of NCAA in turnovers. Like, that's just totally – the defense just totally has been, you know, giving up yards, but – they happen to be forcing fumbles, causing havoc, creating interceptions, and they finally played a team that takes care of the yeah. ball. I mean, it was going to happen. Like, just like this is Lincoln Riley's first year there. There's no way they're going to go undefeated. They always, you know, they're going to lose one. Utah's a sound team. They played Ohio State really tough in the Rose Bowl last year. I mean, we know how good Cam Rising is, and I mean, it, it was kind of it was bound to happen a little bit, similar to Alabama. Yeah, and I, f- I feel bad. This should have been a higher up. Game Utah really screwed themselves by not showing up at Florida yeah. beginning of the year. Um, UCLA is good, like so that was a good game. The Pac-12 has three good teams in USC, UCLA, and in Utah, and they're all going to be fighting each other for it. I just wish that there was a little more hype going in this game. I didn't think there was enough. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to get overshadowed by Tennessee, Alabama, but um, I just wish there the Utah had one loss or I mean zero would have been nice, and that would have been a Top ten matchup and it just would have had a lot more um, fanfare heading into it. I mean, it was a good you know end of the day of college football, a good solid day. It was the you know the Pac twelve after dark. It was a great game, but it was it was you know it was wild to see Caleb Williams kind of just crying after the game after this this they took this this loss. I mean, it was played phenomenal last year in Oklahoma, and then he's you know the guy here this first year at USC. He did play really well. Yeah, I mean, he threw for five touchdowns, which is incredible. Well, before we uh, take our break, any uh, any prediction on tonight's game with the the Guardians Yankees? No bias. So yeah, by probably by the time you guys listen to this, the game will be over. But I think the Yankees are going to get the dub here. They're throwing Nestor, and for some reason, the Guardians are not throwing Shane Bieber, which is pretty interesting. It appears to be the plan that I had to do some research. I, I even texted. I was texting all the guard. I texted your roommates about. I was like, who's this Aaron Savali guy? I texted Ty, who was on uh, last week in your replacement. And the links, uh, the word on the street is from my Guardians insiders is that it's going to be like one run through the lineup, try and get everyone out, just three innings, maybe the top. But, you know, you're running, of course, the top is Aaron Judge. So it's like, do you want to have him pitch to Aaron Judge again? Probably not. And then apparently they think that they're going to roll out one of those guys, Biebs or – or or Tristan McKenzie, I mean that makes sense. But why risk you know going through a couple innings? Why won't you just go all in with him getting the you know the nod at the beginning of the game? I think mean, that's too too scary to think about. Well, I think because now the the uh, baseball is just obsessed with this you know the maximum innings pitch theory and all this stuff. It's all about not going over um, a certain amount of pitches, seeing the batters a certain time. Um, Maximum effort theory, you know, there's, it's all about like, cause you know, the whole thing is, is that, you know, they want, 
why they're adding a big thing why they're adding a pitch clock is you know the numbers now the analytics we like to talk about it choke about it offset the numbers say you know after you throw a pitch you know take as much time let your arm get ready to throw another 98 mile an hour yeah. heater like it's all about taking as much time and you know the computer would want these games to be like a day <laughs> every every pitch is like 20 minutes in between it and you know just i don't think that the uh it's a terrible idea, but it's definitely a new wage baseball yeah. thing because the bullpen day has become a staple of the regular season. And you don't really see it in the postseason a ton, but you have versus you would never in the in the good old days. You're never not rolling out your number one. I mean, it's so often that the bullpen's you know shaken up when it comes to the playoffs. So I feel like a lot of teams don't really have that option of doing a bullpen game. But I don't. Know, I just think you know cards on the table. Last game of the series, you got to roll out your starter. You know, right at the, the get go. Not wait. I think it's too too scary to think about, like I just said. But this should be a good game. Game. This has been a really you know intense series to watch. The Guardians seem to truly hate the Yankees, and the Han- Yankees are you know. Yeah, the Guardians are like playing with America behind them. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm blanking on the guy in the Guardians. He hit that you know the home run. He rocks the baby to Garrett Cole. Oh, Naylor. Yeah, and then Garrett Cole comes out like in the, in the next game and throws a gem. So it's. Or not the next, but it's it's just been an interesting series to watch. It's the only one that went to five, so there's yeah. definitely some some beef and love also, for it. But side note, the Dodgers. I'm calling it the Dodgers now under the curse of the goose, and they're never going to win a World Series because of that goose that came to the game. Curse of the goose. Yeah, you know the goose that was the gray goose that was sitting in the outfield. When they played the Padres. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw. Okay, I, I didn't really like. So what you're calling this the new curse of the. The cur- you know, we had the curse of the billy goat, the curse of the bambino, now the curse of the goose. Is so you're you're speaking this into speaking into, existence. into existence. Right. I mean, hey. Good for you, man. I'm I'm all ears. <laughs> I'm here. Alright, well we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with our NBA preview. All right, welcome back here from that little break here, back to episode seven here of the Nightcap. Me and Sam welcoming in one of our esteemed Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio guests, Cole Emplett. Cole, welcome in here. Thank you for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I really appreciate it. So we brought you on as you and uh, Joey Fear, who will be on later in the year for some uh, NBA or for some college basketball. We'll have to make sure that you both come on for that one. But you're in here joining us for our NBA preview. Um, we are cheating a little bit as the you know, episode comes out Wednesday nights, recording here Wednesday morning. So we saw some NBA last night, Celtics getting a dub, the Warriors getting a dub, but I don't think we didn't see anything that you know we didn't either any of us not yeah. believed in. You know, I think all of us see Golden State being good, the Lakers not being good. Um, but I wanted to just get into um, some predictions, where we see the NBA shaking out. Obviously, you can't predict injuries and you know kind of give them just a rough estimate, but any of you guys wanted to give off with a uh, opinion and you know take us either way, you want to talk some East, some West. Any of you, any of you feel inclined to get started? Start with the East. I feel like this year the East is very top heavy. I think it's going to be very interesting to watch. You know these juggernauts switch around throughout the year. So we can do our power rankings for that conference to set us off. All right. Well, I want to. I'll, I'll start off because I think I want to ask your guys' opinion on this. I I like that he said it's top heavy, right? I've been I've been big on the last four years or last three years. I I've, I've been feeling it's it's the Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, and and the Heat. At least who we've been seeing. The Nets can be up there, but I, I really think that the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers are kind of on another level for me. I have them as the three, and then kind of everyone else. Like I, I want to see how it plays out. What do you What do you guys have in the top of the conference? <clears throat> Sorry, I think I agree with you in terms of like tiers in a conference. There's tier one, there's tier two, and then there's the rest. So that tier one is definitely Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly, in my eyes. I think they're the three best teams. Like you said, you could throw Miami in there, but Miami is just the definition of a regular season team. They always finish high. I'll give them that, but they just never perform in the playoffs. So that's why they're not in that high tier for me in the East. Yeah, I, I feel like Miami needed to add a, a guard. You know, they had all those yeah. rumors about maybe a Tyler Hero trade, get a Bradley Beal or – uh, Donovan Mitchell in there, but I feel like that's what they're they're missing. Unless Bam Adebayo wants to become this, you know, this all world Nikola Jokic Embiid type center, I just I don't see it for Miami. I I really like Jimmy Butler, but I just I don't believe in their in their crew anymore. You know, yeah. When they initially got Kyle Lowry, what was it last season? Beginning of last season, mm. 
you know, everyone thought he was going to be like the piece that's going to push him over the edge when Goran Dragic was like the same production, even if more than Kyle Lowry. So even in the playoffs, Kyle Lowry just, you could not see him. He only had like maybe one or two good games. Uh, and, you know, stepping up was Victor Oladipo as well, who was phenomenal in the playoffs, especially against that run against Boston. But right. they don't have a true, you know, floor, floor general in Kyle Lowry at all. I mean, I think that they're a team that comes down to more about coaching with that roster. Eric Spolstra has always been a great coach. So I think that's why I'm going to put them in, like, the Tier 1 category. I mean, they did come up with the Eastern Conference Finals last year. The bubble, they went to the Finals. So they do always, you know, figure it out somehow. The team that I'm, you know, pretty high on also that can make their jump to Tier 1 are the Cavaliers. Obviously making that massive trade for Gobert getting – or not Gobert, getting Donovan Mitchell, which is, you know – a solidified score that they haven't had in years. So I think the Cavs can make that jump to the tier one category. Really over. So, cause I had it kind of, I had it, I had the Cavs below just for this year though, below the Nets, Raptors and heat, even though the Raptors are a little more iffy on that. I think that even, I just love the Raptors team game. I don't know the Nick nurse, you know, they got, they got good team ball out of respect the heat, you know, four or five. And then just, I don't want to do it to myself, but like, I mean, cause we got to open up, the Brooklyn can of worms. Like I just, how how do you believe in Brooklyn? You know, can you make me believe, Cole? Like, do you have any faith in Brooklyn? Uh, after this off season, it's really hard to have faith, considering you know whether they said it or not. Both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving clearly wanted out of the whole situation, uh, and then even more ongoing problems with head coach Steve Nash clashing with Irving. It's just a little weird. So sure, they have the star power to be a top team in the East, but. Once they lose a couple games, once that chemistry starts to demoralize a little bit, it's like, do they even want to play? It's Wait, the real question. Yeah. How dramatic could they be when they brought, like, a player coach to, like, be a yes-man <laughs> for them, and then they came and worked with him? So that team is just so interesting to watch. Obviously, they have these two great basketball players, so they're going to make it to the playoffs. But no, you, brought the, you brought up the point not to they, – they brought in a yes-man. You know, yeah. you can't, they brought in a guy who just – even though he's a, he's a legend of the game, two-time MVP, Hall of Famer, he does, he's not challenging these guys, you know. They, like you said, you could have said better. They brought in the yes man. I mean, obviously, they're gonna. They have two, you know, ultimate scorers, so they're gonna be able to make it into the the playoff. But I just don't see them being ranked, you know, highly in this conference during the regular season, just because they. Who knows how much how many games they're gonna play? They're always, you know, injured. They got something going on. They're always on the bench. But we're. I'm. I'm. I'm very intrigued to see Ben Simmons get back. I've always thought that Simmons and Durant could like semi work together. Um, but I just uh, I don't really know how those those three work on a on a floor together. You know, I've always been a proponent that Ben Simmons. You know, remember the his rookie year when Embiid got hurt for a little bit. There was like that twenty game run where just Ben Simmons. He's basically like a point center, and you're just running him like Giannis. I don't know. I've I've always been a, a like a proponent of that. I think it could work. And then you have Durant here, who's just the ultimate like the guy will just be standing there. You just give him the ball. He'll do he'll do anything you need. Yeah, he's. Yeah. He's yeah. a walking 30. So, I don't know. I, but we clearly, Durant and Irving have not been the number one pairing here. So, I guess we kind of got a similar uh, – I guess we got to get a similar ranking around here, right? So, we got the first four about the same. And then, you know, that's where the Nets, Raptors, Cavs step in, even though, Sam, you liking the Cavs. The Cavs to, a little higher than you guys are ranking them. That's fair. What do we think of Atlanta? That's the team that I, I think could jump up in there as well. Atlanta could be sneaky. Obviously, they made you know a pretty good run during the you know the COVID season um, when they played the Knicks or like the season after the bubble. They made a pretty good run, and then they, you know they add Dejounte uh, Murray, who can be you know a pretty good one two punch with Trey uh, Trey Young. So I think they're gonna be a fun team to watch. Definitely gonna be some fast paced basketball out down in Atlanta. And they paid uh, DeAndre Hunter as well. They he got a. He got a good little yeah. extension right before uh, the season started a couple of days ago. Was it four year, like ninety something million? Good for him. But uh, yeah, like in terms, of if we want to put like the Cavs up there as well, like that play in spot is just pretty much you know a toss up between who is it, the Hawks, I'd say even the Raptors, the Bulls, the Knicks. You never know who's going to finish seven through ten, but I have a feeling it's just it's going <coughs> to be those four teams because the rest of the East isn't that great this year. And the, like Sam mentioned, the East is so top-heavy this year where if you finish in the play-in, it's going to look a little bad for you. I think I think I could agree with that there because you just you look over, like there's there's a lot of teams with young guys I like. You know, Indiana has Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's going to be a really good player. Detroit is led by Cade Cunningham. I think he's going to be a really good player. 
the magic of some bodies on their squad now with with Paulo Wagner. There's a lot of good young teams. Who knows what's going on in Washington? But I don't know. I, what do we think of Charlotte? Do, is Lamella Ball gonna? I mean, he has some type of. Didn't he get a knee injury or something? He's out for a little bit here as I do my best Jamie impression to find it out. But um, oh, ankle injury, so he's missing a couple weeks to start the year. I mean, I think they'll be the fringe, like you know, tenth in seed. They'll probably battle him throughout that spot throughout the whole season. And I think that team that we also haven't talked about was the Chicago Bulls. You know, having a pretty solid season last year until they got hit with the massive injury bug. Who knows, you know, when Lonzo Ball is going to be able to play basketball because he's a walking injury. So it's it's unique to see these bottom teams in the East, see how it's going to pan out throughout the year. I just, uh, I'm not a big Levine guy. I mean, I want to ask you guys both opinion on, on Levine because I thought they were in such an interesting spot. Like they basically had to pay him, you know, and he's 24, 25 point per game player. You know, you don't just let him go. But him and DeMar, like we've seen a team with DeMar as their best player. You know, those Raptors teams. I, I thought that, that this Bulls team, they were fun. I really liked them. But they reminded me of those Toronto teams just because they're two best players we know. I think they're solvable in the playoffs. Yeah, <clears throat> I think the Bulls are good. And I think they would have made uh, a bigger push last year in the playoffs with Lonzo. Not to say that he's, you know, the difference maker, but they didn't have a true point guard running the running the show for them. But to get along with your point of Zach Levine, like, you had to pay him. He's a phenomenal shooting guard. He does exactly what you need to do. He scores points. Uh, can't exactly say the same on the defensive end at times, but the Bulls are a good team with him. They went and they got Nikola Vucevic. Oh, right. DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Lonzo, who's not going to start the year. I think it's going to be, uh, who is it, Ayu? Ayu Desamu, the Illinois Oh, player. yeah, with a little gonna, Caruso sprinkled in there. I think he's going to start for them. But it's just like one of those things. Like They're still a really young team, but they I just don't think they can compete in that top-loaded Eastern Conference that we've been talking about. I mean, the issue is DeMar's your second player, and he's, you know, a player like a 1990s basketball prototype. He can't really shoot the three. He, can, he has a great mid-range, which is, you know, kind of makes him a little one-dimensional in today's basketball. No, yeah, and I mean, what a, talk about this Lonzo Ball thing, man. This is just quite the situation. He keeps just going down with what seemed like a meniscus, and now he just can't, can't get healthy, and I don't know. I feel bad for the guy, but I'd say that probably covers it for the East. It seems like we got um, nothing too shocking. No one thinks that the Knicks are, or the or the Wizards are about to pull Sadly, off this great Knicks, run. The Knicks will not be in the playoffs, sadly. Yeah, I mean, just needed Donovan Mitchell. You needed that that game changer there. But for some reason, I don't. We talked about it. How did they not take all your picks, man? I would have taken. I, I would have taken all the Knicks picks. But so moving on to the West which we saw um, the Warriors beat the Lakers last night. I think that was the game that was a little more, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, easier to uh, predict as you know, the Celtics with a new coach. They looked good. They made a lot of shots. Philly, I think Philly looked uh, a little better last night, but, you know, it's game one. Can't really tell anything versus we definitely could tell that the Warriors are good after last night and uh, the Lakers are not so good. So, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know. I have. I really think that the West, uh, even though I'm really excited to see the Nuggets get back, I think this is the Clippers and the Warriors conference to lose. I'm putting that right out there. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it is the Warriors conference to lose just because they are the defending champs. They, of course, have the greatest point guard on the planet right now, you could argue, for all time. And Steph Curry, who's who, you know, he got that elusive finals MVP that he's been chasing, along with a great supporting cast, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Wiggins, who is phenomenal in the finals and now you get Andrew, or it's not excuse me Andrew, you get James Wiseman back who we haven't really seen his full mm. potential along with they got a bunch of young bloods talking about Moses Moody Jonathan Kaminga they're a really stacked lineup so it's definitely their conference to lose but you mentioned the Clippers as well but I really like Denver this year Denver of course who is bringing back Jokic the MVP but they're also getting Jamal Murray back who did not play majority of the season, and then they're getting Michael Porter, who's always solid scoring option for them. I just think they're going to be a really deep team this year in the West. I I, I got to agree with Murph on this. I think that this is the Warriors or Clippers conference to lose. I also do believe that the Nuggets can make a jump into the upper echelon of the West conference. I mean, Jamal Murray, he played fantastic in the bubble, so hopefully he can recreate that, best, you know, that game this year. But as a team that I really like, 
is are those you know those Suns? They they're coming off of finals two years ago. I know they might have you know the curse of Luka Doncic now after he kind of made them his their child after that 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 Western or that second round last year. So I think I still like the Suns. I still like Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So I think they're gonna be up there too in the top four of the the conference. I was gonna say that. I mean, Luka Doncic, like he's gonna be taking bodies. You know, this is the third year in a row that he's the preseason favorite for MVP. Which at some point I'm like, come on, Vegas. But this year, I, I like, I think this is the the Luka Doncic year. I, I think he's just going to be on one. He looks in great shape. If you see that he balled over the summer in those, um, where's he from? Slovenia, or right in his national team games for for Slovenia. So I don't know. I think that he, but his team is obviously thin. They lost, um, you know, his co-star Jalen Brunson, and they haven't exactly replaced. The idea of Kristaps Porzingis, not that Kristaps Porzingis was ever an all-star in Dallas, but the idea that him and Luca were going to be the next big thing. I do like that they uh, they picked up Christian Wood yeah. this offseason, who is like not to say, I know it's going to be an elite pick-and-roll game by any means, but just having that option for Luca, it's like, ah, oh, shoot, you need to stop him driving to the paint, but oh, you got to worry about Christian Wood now going through the air. It's going to be a different dynamic to Luca's game that we're going to see this year. I mean, adding a he's a 20-point-per-game player, you know, you're not – that's telling you story. I mean, Cole, give me – I want your opinion on the Suns because I like what Sam's head's at. I think that, you know, a team could really – especially after how his last season ended, all the all the you know noise you're hearing in the media. I think you could, a team could really, you know, rally around that against the NBA. A lot of teams usually crumble under that. I think their key, though, is that they need to get where – to get back to where they want to go. Devin Booker needs to become a top 10 player in the league, which I would say as big a fan as I am of him, he's not. Yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, there's obviously two paths for the Suns. It's either they can crumble after their you know, very embarrassing loss to the Mavericks at home in a Game 7 to get blown out the way they did. Uh, they were a little meme on Twitter for a couple months to come. But like you mentioned, Devin Booker has to be almost nearly perfect. They have a good supporting cast, but at this point, not to play the age game Chris Paul. He's getting older. Of course, he's still point God in my eyes, but... No, it's fair though. He's getting. He's, I mean, he's he's getting he's getting older. And he's almost forty. He's not as productive on the scoring end, so to say. But I think the bigger issue is the whole DeAndre Ayton problem going mm. on in Phoenix, where he was almost guaranteed out to go to Indiana, and then they're like, oh, yeah, they he ended up coming back, and it did not look like he wanted to be there. Media day, he did not look like he wanted to be there. So yeah. it's just going to be like, how's the chemistry really going to go this season with Phoenix, especially since we talked about it's the Warriors. You know, conference to lose. Clippers are going to be fully healthy again. The Nuggets are going to be fully healthy. How does the Suns play into that? Yeah, and I had to bring up Game Seven as we were just talking about. Look, I mean, you're down 57, 27 and a half. I mean, you know, this this team is, I don't know, they've been reeling for a minute here, and so I'm I'm intrigued to see how things t- uh, go turn around because they have the talent to do it. Yeah. They also, I mean, another point to bring up is. They had all those issues with their, you know, their owner over the offseason. I wonder what's gonna how that's gonna affect, you know, the team chemistry, just fans being in the stadium. So it's unique to see this how the Suns are gonna play out this year because they do have the, the roster, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. No, that's a um, that's a very good point as well. You know, maybe some new blood in there as an owner could create something good. So, so we got we've talked about. I think we can say that Warriors, Clips, Nuggets. I mean, that's that's my one, two, three. You like in. You like that, but would you rank the Nuggets ahead of uh, the Clippers? Uh, <clears throat> as of right now, I would say yes, just because we don't know. I mean, obviously Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard, but this is now going to be his second, actually third injury that's coming off a very long-term injury. So I think he's going to be good. It's just how is the supporting cast going to help the Clippers? In terms with the Nuggets, I think Jokic is still an MVP player. I think Jamal Murray is phenomenal. Michael Porter Jr. is also phenomenal. I just think they're depth and their bench is going to be much better than anyone else besides the Golden State Warriors. Now, that's my thing. I, I do, like, have to look in the mirror. I'm like, you know, this Clippers pick, like, being big on the Clippers, like, putting a lot of faith in John Wall, who has not played a lot, you know, in about four years. You know, I'm pretty sure he's on you know, 2018, I think, was the last. 2019. Remember when, remember when Isaiah Thomas was in Boston when – like they were playing and when John Wall was last in the playoffs. That was twenty seventeen. You know, that's it's five years ago now. You know, like he's that's had crazy to think about. It. it really is. In the preseason, I loved his burst, but you know, he's had an Achilles, he's had an ACL, like you just don't just come back from those things. I just think as long as you have Kawhi and Paul George, you're gonna be you're gonna be just fine. So I mean, obviously when that comes to the playoffs, 
that's going to be an issue with depth. But in the regular season, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be able to win games and be at the top of the West. Yeah. So let me. Th- oh, sorry. I was going to say, I like agreeing with Sam. Like you know, everyone like was freaking out when they got John Wall. So, well, John Wall's a little older, but at the same time, he literally just has to play a point guard where you have to average maybe yeah. what eight points per game, just move the ball. That's all he has to do. So I think with those two guys, with Leonard and George, as long as they are performing, I think they're going to be a really scary team this year. So these were my teams that I had, um, you know, a little below those three and then above, because I'd say, you know, we're not predicting injuries here. You don't predict injuries, even though they don't have really any bodies. I hate betting against LeBron and AD. Um, Not that I'm saying they're going to be a full-on top six playoff team. But I'd have them, like, just because of where talent comes in, uh, you know, maybe seventh or eighth. And so I have this little – we've talked about Phoenix. We've talked a little bit about about Dallas. I have these five teams kind of in that that mesh. Uh, Phoenix, Dallas, Memphis, as they were the number two seed last year. I thought they'll take a little step back, you know, with some expectations. But I still think they'll be good. Uh, And then Minnesota, because I think Anthony Edwards is going to get better this year. Even though I'm not a big fan of the Gobert trade. You know, I think he leads the charge, and they're going to be good on defense. And then this is all potential. So hear me out. But New Orleans. I think New Orleans could make a little bit of a jump into the – Right? Is it not crazy to say they're top six seed really, potential? It's really dependent on if Zion Williamson is completely healthy. Obviously, he's a bucket around the rim. He can't be stopped. But his health and, his, you know, feet injury and all that, it's, that's, the only, that's the biggest, you know – you know, variable in this uh, this equation. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll back that up. Zion needs to be healthy, but I just want to see how like him and Bi Brandon Ingram are going to play together because Brandon Ingram is the definition of get the, him the ball and let him score. So now you have Zion on the floor where it's like, all right, he's our max steal guy. You know, we have to give him the ball. I just want to see how Brandon Ingram's going to respond to that. How they're going to really work together. We saw how it worked with PG and Kawhi in LA, but. I don't know how it's going to work in New Orleans with this certain situation. But I like that as well. I think the Pelicans will be one of those playing teams. And uh, not to, like you said, Jack, not to go against LeBron and AD. I think the Lakers are going to be on that bottom end yeah. of the play. I think they make yeah. it. I just don't think they have a guaranteed playoff spot. It's so tough because, um, you know, AD just, he has all the potential in the world. Watching that game last night, I think it was Harlan who was doing that Warriors game. It was just so funny. You know, there's a couple fadeaways. He falls down and they're like, oh, oh. And it's like. They're at the point, like, even the announcers are at the yeah, point I mean, with Anthony this guy. Davis is, I think he spends more time laying on the ground during the game than he actually does, you know, running down the court. So. Yeah. I, he's got the street clothes nickname for a reason. <laughs> and it sucks because, like, Anthony Davis is obviously a generational player for his position. But it's the truth. Just those tall guys who start in the league who are pretty skinny, obviously Anthony Davis put on weight. But you're so more likely to be injury prone than anyone else. So it, when you take that fall like that, it's really tough to see. But at the same time, you have those thoughts like, oh, shoot, you might have just tweaked his ankle. <coughs> And then LeBron, LeBron's coming off a thirty-point season at, at thirty-seven. Like he doesn't seem anywhere close to stopping. I'm, I'm fully on the LeBron theory that um, he's going to turn into this like role player. You know, play till like forty-five, just being a fifteen-point per game player uh, for that long. But just kind of go back to Pelicans as I, I pulled up. A, did you guys see? Have you guys seen Brandon Ingram's new haircut with the yeah, fro? It's it's interesting. It's, it's very interesting. Talk about like just more or less interesting than Jimmy Butler's new haircut. Oh God. Hey, it's this. I got it right here. Get your live reaction. Not bad. Not bad. I think Jimmy Butler's is just something's going on there. Jimmy Butler's was like, I don't know. It was like I I lost in the playoffs and I left society for two months and now I'm back for for basketball. So living in Miami does too, I guess. (laughs) But uh, yeah, the West. I got my bottom fringe teams are Lakers, Jazz, Pelicans, Timberwolves. I think they're gonna fight down there. Oh, you like the Jazz to be a play-in fighter? I think they'll be, you know, like a nine, nine or eight seed. I'm I, the one that I want to hear. I I uh, I, I want to see Sacramento finally do something. <laughs> I, I feel like that that play-in is their place to be this year. I just I've always been a Sabonis guy. I really wanted the Celtics to get him. Stinks that he's kind of gonna get um, wasted there because not that. But I love De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox clearly not like. A put put the team on your back type player. He's good. I think you'd need a you know a good wing next to him, and then a Sabonis type. But I really wanted to see Sabonis with like a real like a Luca type. But I don't know the the the, Pel- uh, the Kings have some talent. Yeah, I mean, so like if we break it down, like we have a tier one the West, which 
you know, I think we've all kind of agreed Denver, LA Clippers and Golden State. And then you have the next best, which is Dallas. You got Memphis and Phoenix, and you can even flip-flop Minnesota into those top six. So there's your six playoff spots, and you have to play in. You talk about the Pelicans. You talk about the Lakers. We can bring up the Trailblazer, or even if the Timberwolves stay in there. I don't really think the Kings crack it. And I think it's just one of those scenes where, like, they're young. There's a young team. They have to keep developing, especially with Keegan Murray Allen squad, who's phenomenal. He's a yeah. shooter, but – I think there's going to be one of those teams that sits out on the play in this year, and I think that's a good spot for them to be. I don't think they should make a push yet. Get one more pick and then make a run for it. I think they're in the same situation as the Cavs last year. The Cavs made the playing spot. They had all the pieces. They were extremely young. Now this season, they go out, they get Donovan Mitchell. They have all those young pieces around him, and now they're going to make a top push in the East. Just I like that thing of staying under the radar until your pieces are ready. As of right now, they're just young, other than De'Aaron Fox, of course. But I just think they're still a young squad. No, I like that take, you know, even though I would say I feel like the Cavs, like, last year just got kind of screwed by injuries. But, I mean, again, you know, we don't we don't see or predict injuries. You know, they happen. you got to run with what they got. So, no, I like that. You know, I just – part of me, even though I got no – I got no ties to them, Cole, I just – I feel bad for the Kings you, at this you feel point. Bad. What, they have the you know, longest playoff drought now? I think they, they should just up and get out of Sacramento. Put on Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, the Las Vegas Kings, man. The Las Vegas. Oh, well, the, the Aces. That's the WNBA team. Something, you know, something with blackjack or something. Yeah, like king on a card, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I bet they got to go to Seattle or uh, they got to go to Seattle or Vegas. This is just looking over at this West. You know, this is where the bottom feeders are: Houston, Oklahoma <coughs> City, especially with no Chet. I don't know. I feel like Utah's in that discussion, but they're I don't, they're probably not as bad as as San Antonio. Or I mean, uh, San Antonio's gonna be the worst team in the probably the NBA. Yeah, yeah they uh, they're playing the lottery for Victor Wimbayana. It's I think most of the teams on down there. If it's like midway through the season, you're like, all right, we're not making a push. Just you guys just, go get Victor. Blow you it up at a at like a press conference. Pop said, you know, don't expect this team to win in like, many games. Like he's already Wait, which only Pop can get away with. Yeah. Any other coach that says oh, that yeah, only, only Pop can get away with that. And I think he made he made it like don't bet on don't go to Vegas and like put <laughs> the house on us or something. You know, us, like. Don't bet on but I, I mean, any final thoughts, guys? I think we gotta. It seems like we're down to most part. Should we just say our early NBA champions? Should we just go around? I guess I don't know. Who do you? Uh, yeah, if you had to, if you had to throw money on a team, who would you be? Uh, you can give. I mean, you can. Uh, who are you, who are you fighting for to make the pick? And then who's your pick? Uh, I guess being Celtics fan, I want to see the Celtics go back. Uh, it hurts that Gallinari, who was supposed to be their sixth man this year, is out for the year, ACL tear, along with Robert Williams, who is one of those conversations of a guy who just can't stay healthy. He's not going to be back till uh. midseason, along with the whole head coaching scandal, which I don't really want to get into. But uh, I think the Celtics will compete this year. But, you know, we can't, obviously can't say the whole predicting injuries like you talked about, but I think Milwaukee is the team to beat. Uh, they took Boston to seven without Chris Middleton. Giannis mm. had to literally play 48 of the 48 minutes every single night just to have a chance of winning. Uh, with Milwaukee's fully healthy, you know, I think they're not only the best team in the East, I think they're the best team in the NBA. Uh, so I think Milwaukee would be my favorites to win it. If they're, like I said, fully healthy, I think they're the clear team to beat. I like it. Sam? Completely agree. I think the Bucks are the team to beat in the NBA. They're the best player on the planet right now. He's just a walking back bucket. So I think they're going to be great with Middleton back too. It's going to be, a, it's going to be fun to watch, watch Milwaukee this year. I'm really stuck. I really think it's between um, the top six teams, um, the top three in each Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Warriors, Clippers, Nuggets. Uh, I, 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 I think the best chance in the East has got to be the Bucks. I really want to say the Clippers as well. I, I think I'd probably say the Bucks as well with you guys, but um that's so fun. I, don't I know, just, just just want some like diversity. Like, of course, I want the Celtics to get back, but Bucks being in the finals is fun. Of course, Warriors Bucks would be a cool finals. But like you mentioned, Clippers would be fun to get to the finals. Denver would be fun to get to the finals. I just want Denver would be really you know? fun. I just want different series to happen. People doubting Jokic, you know, like he's got he's got the MVPs for a reason. Like he's he's that good. And I don't know if they could finally get one. My, I'm leaving on. I really think that the Sixers could get there, and I hate to say it because I don't. I just I think Embiid is due to get to one because I think he's going to be. You're going to look back at the 20, 2020s. You know he's going to play. He's going to be a 2015 to 2025 player of his prime. But um, you know this time period when you look back on history, he's going to be. He could have won the MVP last two seasons. I don't know. I feel like he's 
he's due to play on the finals at some point, but that could be a uh, could be a bad take as they are the Sixers. They, I mean, <clears throat> your take is your take. Uh, they are the Sixers. They have never beaten the Celtics in the 2010s in a playoff series. They've never beaten the Bucks in the 2010s in a playoff series. I just don't think – like, Philly is a great team, and it, it all kind of depends on – I mean, of course, Joel Embiid is phenomenal. It depends on how is James Harden going to be. You know, obviously he's not going to be his 2018 prime self, but can he distribute the ball? Can he make his open jump shots? Same with Tobias Harris. Can those role players be good for you? But I just don't think they compare to what Milwaukee has and at fully health and Boston has either. Well, I do think you're pretty right. I just I don't know. I feel like Harden. I feel like Harden. Harden is one more year in him. But we'll see. Cole, thank you for coming on, being our being our guest of the week here. I appreciate it. I'm uh, looking forward to when you bring me and Joey on. That'll yeah, be, we'll, a good time. <clears throat> we'll do the full on college breakdown. Even though probably won't be much Ohio State talk in that one. Um, Sam, any final thoughts here as we wrap up? No, we'll just hope the Knicks can actually uh, win some games this year and not make me depressed. We'll just run the damn ball. Yeah, just run the damn ball. All right, we'll see you, everyone, on next week's episode. Make sure to check out all the other podcasts from Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Network, like Blocko Show and Ohio State of Mind and 614 Check. Thank you. See you next week. <laughs>